Luke chapter 6, verse 27 to 36. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Jeff. Well, um, I want to start this morning by asking you if you've ever he- heard these words before. You look just like your father, or you're the spitting image of your mother. Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, a few people with heads nodding. As you were coming in this morning, you were probably greeted by a guy in the door. His name is Stuart. He was holding a baby. Um, I, I was hoping he was going to be in. He's not in here this morning, but because I was going to get him to hold up the baby and see just how like Patrick the baby is like his father. He's the spitting image of his father. In fact, they were away on holiday this last week in Italy, and Ali, his mum, who was singing here, Ali was saying how she was getting so frustrated because everyone in Italy, waiters, waitresses, everybody was saying, photocopia. But when they looked at Patrick and Stuart, because they're just so alike. The way we speak by the character maybe that we have with good and bad, there are ways that all of us in this room maybe bear resemblance to our earthly parents, ways that we look just like our father or ways that we behave just like our mother. And as we continue this morning in Luke's gospel, looking at the life of Jesus Christ, the person at the center of the Christian faith who our hope is in as believers, here's the question I have for us this morning as we study this passage. A question for all of us in this room who would consider ourselves to be part of God's family, God's children, someone who's been saved from our sins by trusting in Jesus, given a a new life and adopted into his family through faith in Jesus. Here's the question. Would people look at the way you're living your life and say, you look just like your father in heaven? Or would they look at our lives and say, you look just like everyone else in the world out there? Because Jesus has gathered his disciples here and he's teaching them in this famous sermon that if we are God's children, 
sons and daughters of the Most High God, as he says in verse 35. If we are following God's ways, his kingdom, not the ways of this world, then we will look different in this world. We will look like our Father in heaven. We will bear resemblance to him. And in our passage this morning, specifically Jesus says, the way we will look different is by the way that we show love. By the way that we love others. See, there is a way to love like someone who's part of the kingdom of this world. Jesus kind of sums it up in verses 32 to 34 of our passage. They're on the screen. Love those who love you. And that's normal practice in the kingdom of this world. Jesus says even sinners, people who care nothing for God, they love like that. Do good to those who do good to you. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. That's standard procedure in the kingdom of the world. Lend and give of ourselves to those who expect us to give the same back to us. And people will say of you, you look just like everyone else in the world. This is how the kingdom of the world shows love. It's a love that's built upon getting rather than giving. It's a love that at its core is self-serving, not self-sacrificial. But I say to you, Jesus says, but I say to you, love like your Father in heaven. Be merciful just like your Father in heaven. Give generously. Love freely and you will look just like him. This is an incredibly challenging passage this morning. I have felt it this week as I've been preparing. In one sense, it is the most straightforward of messages to preach and even to understand. I could say all what I'm going to say to some of our children down there, and they would understand what this means. But the difficult thing isn't in in grasping what Jesus Christ says here in terms of understanding. The difficult thing is grasping this in terms of application. How do we live like this? How do we live this kind of love out? Because it goes totally against the grain in society. It even goes totally against the grain in our hearts. And this is a, a real challenge. And I'm expecting all of us who are followers of Jesus to feel that kind of conviction about the way that we've maybe shown love to others in this last week, perhaps. And challenge is good, but challenge is only good if it leads us down the right path, not the wrong one. Because the wrong path is one that leads us to despair, to despondency, because we realize just how unloving we really are. The, the wrong path is one that we, we walk down and, and we pull our socks up and we say, right, tomorrow, new day, new me. I can do this. I can be like God. I can love like him. That's not the way that Jesus Christ wants us to be challenged this morning because being challenged and walking down those paths, they are paths that lead us away from God, not towards him. And without drawing on God's strength, without depending on the work of his spirit in us, without 
his love changing us, then we will never truly change. I want us all to be motivated to live like our Father in heaven by being reminded this morning of his incredible sacrificial love for each one of us. So let's jump into our passage this morning and I want us to see three things. Three things as God's children. Here's who we're called to love, how we're called to love, and why we're called to love like this. Very, very straightforward, very simple, but very difficult to apply. So let's firstly look at who we're called to love. Look at verse 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. It's clear, isn't it? As God's children, the command is love your enemies. Think of the context again here. Jesus, he's gathered his disciples together and he's preaching a sermon to help them understand what it looks like to be part of the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of the world. He says to them, if you're part of my kingdom, it's gonna cost you living in this world. We saw this last week. Look at verse 23. Nathan preached on this. If you follow me, Jesus says, people in life will hate you. They'll exclude you and revile your name as evil. They'll say you're arrogant and ignorant and bigoted and divisive because of your association to me, because you're with me. Jesus says, if you follow me, you will have enemies in this world. For the people living here, it was clear for them who their enemies were. The Romans, perhaps, those who um, really were making their lives difficult living as God's people. Those who were throwing them or their families in prison. And for many followers of Jesus in the world today, it's very clear who their enemies are as well. Live in places like North Korea, China, places in Africa like Eritrea, Nigeria. Your enemies are very known to you the people who want to throw you into prison, the people who who want to even put you to death for being associated to Jesus Christ. But what about us in our context here in Belfast? Who are our enemies? We might not be facing imprisonment or, or death for following Jesus, but we still face animosity, don't we, and hostility an unfair treatment for others from, uh, because of our association to Jesus Christ. Many of us will have people who we once called friends, but who now treat us differently, exclude us because they know that we're following Jesus. Some of us might have family members, co-workers, who mock us or treat us with disdain because we hold the, the backward archaic views of the Bible when it comes to things like gender or marriage or abortion or sex. Many of us will have people in our lives who give us a hard time when we try to share our faith with them, perhaps. I can think back to a time whenever I was playing rugby and and there was a guy on my rugby team who treated me so differently from everyone else. He, He would just make a mockery of me as much as he could. 
He, he jumped on any mistake that I would make on the pitch or, or in the changing rooms. Ah, you call yourself a Christian? Joke. Doing things like that? Hypocrite. Our enemy is really anyone who rubs up against us because we follow Jesus. He gives us a hard time for, for trusting in him and, and living according to his word and his ways. Jesus says, if you're one of God's children, you should expect to have enemies. And the question Jesus is asking his disciples who've gathered here and us this morning is, how will you respond to people like that? What will you do when the hatred comes or the exclusion? Because in the ancient world, you loved your friends, but you hated your enemies. One ancient writer said this, I consider it established that one should do harm to one's enemies and be of service to one's friends. Like we've said already, here's, here's standard procedure. Back then in ancient days, you help and you serve and you show love to those who love you. Or at least to those who, who like or like you. Love your neighbors, Jesus. Love your fellow Jews. Is that what you meant to say? But our enemies, those from the other side of the road, those who we've nothing in common with, were to love them. This was radical, revolutionary teaching in Jesus' day, but it's just as radical and revolutionary for us in our day too. We maybe think we've moved on a bit. We're a bit more progressive than hating those who hate us. We're not about spreading the hate. It's about spreading the love, isn't it? But just scroll down Twitter, social media, and see how much hatred still exists in our society. Watch a, a football match like I did yesterday on TV. Someone going to collect the ball for a throw-in, and the, opponent, the opposition fans are just hurled in abuse. See, our society says, if someone gives you a dig, you can give them a dig back. If someone slates you, you're perfectly within your rights to slate them back. Stand up for yourself. And maybe as, as Christians, we react to this by thinking, well, well I'm not really about spreading hatred. I don't live like that. If someone hates me or, or treats me badly, what I do is I just keep my distance. I just move away from them. I, I ignore it. But as we'll see, Jesus says very clearly, that's not what loving your enemies looks like. Jesus says, don't just ignore them. Love them. Love them. And before we dig into what loving our enemies actually looks like, there's a real challenge I felt this week in approaching these very first words that Jesus says, love your enemies. And it was this, do I actually have any enemies? Are there people who do hate me and, and revile me because of my association to Jesus Christ? Or does everyone just speak well of me? Is that what I want? Do I want that more than I want to live to please Jesus Christ? Nathan said this last week. He, 
he challenged us to think about the way that we are living out our faith in the world out there because it's very easy to be a Christian undercover. Or it's very easy to be a Christian chameleon. Changing the way we look depending on the environment that we're in, the people we're around, what we say, the views that we have. There's a real challenge in this, isn't there? I felt it this week. Because there maybe have been times in my life, times when maybe I was out there in the world a bit more, playing rugby, working in a different environment, where I had people who did rub up against me. But now, in the context I'm in here in church, it's very easy for me to just be separated from the world, to not be out there in the world, to not have anyone that I have conversations with where we are at odds with each other. And maybe that's the case for you too. Just something for us to bear in mind. Jesus says, the more committed you are to following me, the more people will rub up against you because of me. But Jesus says, how we're to react to those people is we are to love them. That's what we'll look at secondly. Jesus says, here's how, as God's children, you're called to love He's very clear in this too. Look at verse 27 again. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you, who insult you. Jesus will not allow us to simply avoid our enemies. He will not allow us to move away from them. But actually, he wants us to move towards them in love. Do you see how loving our enemies involves being active, not passive? Do good to those who hate you. Be loving with your actions. Bless those who curse you. Be loving with your words. Pray for those who abuse you. Be loving with your whole heart. No matter how hard other people make your life, we're still going to do what we can to work for their good. No matter how much they run us down, we're going to make sure that we find a way of praising them. However badly they treat us, we'll find a way to do the most loving thing that you can do for another human being, and that is pray for them. This is how we're called to love our enemies. I think you could sum it up like this. Do good without limits. Do good without limits. That's, I think, the point that Jesus is making in verses 29 and 30. Slapping someone in the cheek was a great insult in this culture. Someone insults you for being a Christian. They abuse you for going to church. And you say, right, that's it. That's my limit. That's the last time I try and be nice to them. They're not worth my time anymore. No. Jesus says, don't react like that. Turn to him the other cheek and offer it also. In other words, don't put a limit on how many times they insult you. Let them do it. Again and again, as many times as they like. Just keep engaging with them. Keep moving towards them in love. 
He goes on in verse 29, from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Someone comes up to you in this context, usually someone who's kind of an authority over you, like a soldier, for example, and says, here, Christian, give me your cloak. And they know they'll get away with it because they know that if you resist, they can make your life difficult. They can make trouble with, uh, with the authorities for you. And you think this is exploitation. This is unfair. But how does Jesus say the Christian is to respond? He says, if they're taking your cloak, don't put a limit on it. Give them your tunic, your undershirt as well. So maybe someone in the office always makes the point of getting you, the Christian, to put the coffee on for everyone else before staff meetings. They never get anyone else to do it. They treat you like you're beneath everyone else. Knowing that if you refuse or you make a fuss about it, well, that wouldn't be a very Christian thing to do, would it? How does Jesus encourage us to respond in a situation like that? To do good without limits. Do it. Time and time again, even if it's of great inconvenience to you, And while you're at it, why don't you get the cups as well and the milk and serve people their coffee? And then when the staff meeting's done, why don't you gather the cups back up and take them in? And and the next time it's a staff meeting, rather than the person coming and saying to you before it, why don't you just do it? And imagine what kind of an impact that will make on that person or the others who are watching this. That's love without limits. I, I maybe make this sound so easy. I realize that. I've, I've kind of rattled through this. I, I, but this is so, so difficult. Everything within us wants to do the very opposite thing. And I don't know what the, the principle, or sorry, I don't know what the, the situation will look like for you this week, but the principle is this. We are to find ways to, to do good without limits to those who are our enemies. Jesus says in verse 30, give to everyone who begs from you and from the one who takes your goods, do not demand them back. I'll give them my friends, Jesus. Those who who I trust, the people who I get on with, but everyone, really? The neighbors who just moved in next door, give them our pram to use for the week or, or my bike for work this week. But it's mine, we say. It belongs to me, and and I don't know them. I don't know if they're going to look after it well or if I'll ever see it back again. You see what Jesus says? It doesn't matter. Do not demand it back. The Lord has challenged me so much in this this week. We We have a baby that's due in July, our third child, We've got lots of stuff in the attic, lots of baby grows. I'm not going to say all the clothes because then people might think, well, you've got two girls, so if you're washing all the clothes, you're going to have another girl. No, no, just the baby grows because they're all neutral. But I found out this week that Jane had given all those baby grows away to people. And my first reaction when I heard that was, what did you do that for? Get them back. We need them. They're ours. And then I remembered these words and the sermon I was preparing to preach. 
It was baby grows for me. I wonder what it is for you. How is Jesus calling you to be generous without limits? To give of yourself expecting nothing in return, as he says in verse 35. And here in verse 31 is the centerpiece that ties all this together. The golden rule as it's known. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. How would you like others to treat you? You'd like them to do you good, wouldn't you? To be generous to you, to forgive you quickly, to show love to you without putting a cap on it. Deep down, that's what we all want. Now think of that person who's maybe been going through your mind throughout this whole sermon. Whoever it is, a parent maybe, a co-worker, a sibling, someone who you find it really difficult to love right now. Why not pray this week for that person? For the whole week, each day, just a short prayer. I think when we think of change, you know, going back to, to verse 28, I think change happens in reverse because I think it starts with prayer and then it works back to the blessing and to the doing good. Pray for them this week and ask God, what's the one loving thing I could do for that person? What's a really kind or thoughtful thing I could say to them this week? And we think, I'm not sure that's even possible. But honestly, as you pray and ask for your Father in heaven's help, seeking his wisdom and not your own. See how he changes your heart for that person. And see how he changes the way you speak to and about that person. See how he puts it on your heart and on your mind to find ways to do good without limit to that person. Now, it might seem like the smallest, most insignificant things. And in all likelihood, you'll probably get absolutely nothing in return for doing it. Chances are there'll be no benefit to you whatsoever, no earthly reward. But look what Jesus says in verse 35. As you do good without limits, as you love and lend freely and sacrificially, Jesus says, your reward will be great. God, your Father, sees it all. Even the smallest things done in his name, even a a cup of water given in his name, Jesus says in Matthew 11, he sees it all. He doesn't overlook it. And all of it is pleasing to him. Even the smallest acts of faith bring glory to him. Imagine how different our world would be, how different our marriages would be. How different our family life would be, our friendships would be, our city of Belfast would be if we loved like this. It's extremely difficult. It's costly. It's uncomfortable. Everything within us wants to do the very opposite thing. But Jesus wants us to know that as God's children, loving like this is possible but only if we truly understand why. Why we're called to love like this. And that's how we're going to finish. Jesus says, love like this because you are loved like this. So simple. 
yeah, absolutely earth-shattering if we truly understand this. This turns our world upside down. Look with me at verse 35. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons or children of the Most High. That's God. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Doesn't the Bible teach us time and time again that the very people who God loves are the sort of people who don't love him back? Don't we see that he is a gracious God who is immensely kind to the ungrateful and immeasurably good to those who are evil? And here's the thing, the thing that really packs a punch in all this. It's not just that God loves other people out there who are ungrateful and evil. It's that he loves me as someone who is ungrateful and evil. And you as someone who is ungrateful and evil. Paul says in Romans 5 verse 8, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When God loved me and you, what did we have to offer him? Nothing. When God loved me and you, what were we? Still sinners. Enemies of God, as Paul would say in the later verses in that chapter, Roman chapter 5. A sinner is someone who is an enemy of God, someone who wants nothing to do with him. A sinner enjoys the world that God has made, but never stops to think about the one who has made it. They're ungrateful, hostile towards God, evil in their minds and in their hearts. And what the Bible teaches is that that describes all of us, every single one of us in this room. And so the very thing that should astound us and amaze us this morning is that when God loved us, we were his enemies. And if we are one of his children this morning, it's because when we were his enemies, he showed incredible love and mercy to us. When we rejected him and, and we walked away from him, he did not walk away from us, but he pursued us. He came to us. When we abused him and took from him without ever returning praise and thanks to him, he didn't return evil for evil, but he forgave us. He sought to do the very thing that was for our ultimate good. Because in his great love and mercy, he came to this earth in the person of Jesus Christ to die for us. To sacrifice himself on the cross for us, to take the punishment that we deserve, that we should experience because of our sinfulness, he takes it on himself. He gave his life in exchange for ours so that we could be forgiven and so that our relationship with God that we broke, it could be restored forever. No longer an enemy of God, but a friend, one of his beloved children, safe and secure in his love forever. Not because of what we do, but because of what Jesus Christ has done. 
what often stops us from loving, loving others in this radical kind of way is that we count the cost and we think it's, it's too much. It's just not worth it. But look at Jesus, your Savior, hanging on the cross. Why? Because he loves you. He's loved you with a love that cost him everything. And so now, as his children, he never asks us to do anything in the Christian life that he hasn't already done for us. As John says in 1 John 4, we love because he first loved us. In fact, listen to what John says about God's love in the verses just before, starting in verse 7. They're on the screen. Beloved. That's who we are, beloved. Because of God's love for us, he first loved us. So let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, the substitute for our sins. Beloved, again, beloved, this is who we are. If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Listen, if you're someone who's a follower of Jesus Christ this morning, Jesus wants you to know that you can love like this because you are loved like this. You're one of God's beloved children. You do not need to do anything to earn his love. You do not need to fear ever losing his love. It's steadfast, it's unwavering, so different from the love of this world. And in those verses in Romans chapter five, Paul says that God by his spirit has poured out his love into our hearts. By the work of his spirit, his love that's in our hearts, it, it changes our hearts. It transforms our hearts, our desires and our affections so that we grow more and more into his likeness. So that we pour out his love and his mercy to the world out there around us. The way we change and we grow to be more like our heavenly father is by remembering the truth of his love for us in Jesus Christ. Reflecting on that truth, rejoicing in that truth, resting in that truth every day. So this week, brother or sister, if, if you're wondering about how you can change to love like this, just allow yourself to be swept up into the loving arms of your Father in heaven. Read about his love for you. Pray about his love for you. Sing about his love for you. Talk to others about his love for you and see how his love for you changes you to love others just like him. And if you're someone who's listening this morning and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, you, you don't consider yourself this morning to be part of God's family, one of his children. I want to ask you as we finish, do you see the way that God loves you? You maybe consider yourself someone who is 
an enemy of God. Really, he's your enemy, you think. But you see the way God loves you. Not with a love that's like, like the world, some airy, fairy, oh, God loves you. No. Do you see what he was willing to do for you, just to show you, to demonstrate to you how much he loves you? He was willing to die for you, to give everything to have you. That's real love, true love. And the reason that I think the world knows so little of this kind of love is because I think the world knows so little of the God who is love. Do you know him? You can this morning. You can before you leave here today. Through his son Jesus, through his death on the cross, you can be forgiven for having walked away from him and you can be given new life and brought into his family, safe and secure in his love and embrace forever. That's what's on offer to you today. Will you accept his love? Will you accept Jesus Christ?